have you gotten any further in the Fire Emblems? Oh, not at all. Um, we got a student. We're kind of hiding from the main room right now as he, like, slowly just... You're, you're doing your own real-life Fire Emblem. <laughs> what, what's yeah. your support rank? Uh, low. Uh, low currently. Like, we're still at the stage where, you know, this new exchange student, he's basically like a feral cat that we've locked in the back room. And we're just kind of, like, putting towels under the door so he can get used to smelling us. That's basically Bernadetta. Yeah. Welcome to Brokazatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Related Media. My name's Sam. And I'm Harry. And I I I have to apologize for some of my priorities because Common Rider Zero One, Episode Two, it's it's great. It it's digging a little deeper into some themes, it's making kind of clear some of the conflicts that they're doing. The action was fun and dynamic, the effects were good, like they it seems like they're dealing directly with some stuff. I was worried that they maybe they were dodging and like they're in, we have we're in a really great place. We're gonna have a lot to talk about after the end of the episode. But I'm still disappointed because they took out the hyphen in extinctionthunderstrike.net and ruined the joke <laughs> website I made. Oh, Harry. <laughs> what oh uh, did get is is there a new one? I can't, you, can you get the new one? Uh, I'll see, but I don't know, Sam. I feel like at some point like I'm uh, what am I chasing here? It's, it sounds like it sounds like they're sticking with Extinction Thunderstrike. I don't wait, know. wait, Harry, Harry, Harry. Did they take the hyphen out because they Googled it and realized that we had it? Did we cause this change? <laughs> Is that how we get listeners? By creating joke websites that people know he'd have to look up? Well, uh, it, it would be it would be the overtime people, Harry. Like, what are the odds that like an overtime person this week was like, hey, we've been translating this website like, what are the odds that someone has it? Oh, hey, some idiots already took it. Damn it. Maybe I should ask him. <laughs> I mean, I, I considered putting, I th- like, a, I, I was actually going to put a link to Overtime on the website, because, like, I'm using their <laughs> subs, but I didn't want to seem like I had, I don't that seemed like a weird level of endorsement, did like, that I was officially linked in some way when I'm just a weird fan. Well, I think this is worth a tweet, Harry. We should get into tweet war with people that we are entirely dependent upon. They they control us. I mean, we can go to Genom Corp, but uh, eh, we're not gonna. That that Genom Corp is bad. I just I don't know. I kind of like this group, uh, mm-hmm. and I like this show. So let's get into covering it. Coming Rider Zero One Episode Two. I can't find a title of the episode. Hold on, it's it's a little harder because it, there's it's like zero a... one two Harry. It's obviously zero one two. We're never going to get to make this joke again until episode twenty three, at which point it will be zero one two three. If there's an episode 234, then we'll get to make this joke again. We could we could just call the movie of uh, 234, whatever they put out a movie. They put out like two movies, right? Uh, I I don't know actually. They they may change that. I I've, I've tried to to throw into the episode a couple times, Sam. Like it's AI the enemy, the ally. We we got to cover this at some point. Like cuz I the movie plans might have actually gotten weird because of Zio. So I know nothing about Zio. It was apparently okay. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll take okay. In the show we're covering, so he did R two. Uh, he says okay to owning a big company. Yeah, he he questions like the robot. Uh, his robot handler is having a comedian run a company like this a good idea? At which point I kind of yelled, "No, no, it's not. It's obviously not. He is some kind of weird sacrificial lamb." Like I I'm still going with like. I think he's a clone. I think he was literally cloned for this job because, like, the original person didn't want to have to handle it. So our main character is he's being driven in and he looks at the corporation and he walks in. Uh, and the other guy, the guy who was kind of the vice president, is hiding in some bushes and staring angrily at him. Saying, like, come on, I I am going to, I'm going to run this place. I don't care. Yeah, I'm sure he would do a better job, but also he's a corporate asshole. Like, I don't know. I don't know, Harry, like, sometimes you need an asshole CEO. Also, he's hiding in the bushes. His uh, uh, robot assistant assassin in the red leather uh, is not hiding at all. She's just, like, standing directly behind. So, you know, not doing a great job with the stealth there. Oh, this just came to me. Sam, do you think she's going to turn into a evil robot? Like, do you think she's going to get the, the belt put on? Is she going to be, like, a cool one? 
maybe like you know a, a mid-boss type person maybe i mean that that's totally thing that's going to happen in the show at some point uh like the that belt is going to get put on her and one's probably going to get put on izu and i'm they'll have to figure out a way around that well i mean we we'll get to that when we get to that but um uh, there's some there's some bombs that are dropped this episode that definitely made me scratch my chin uh, so Aruto, he's just looking around. There's that PR video from the first episode playing on some walls. He goes to walk through the security gate thing and gets stopped because he's not the system. So a security human gear comes up and stares him down. And he kind of makes an angry face at it, which is more adorable than angry because damn, this dude has a baby face. Well, he, he is 18 years old. I mean, uh, yes, there's a reason he has a baby face. But oh, when he scrunched up to try to look angry, it was just, oh. What a pinch his cheeks. Yep. But the security robot scans his database and recognizes him and saying like, oh, uh, good morning, president. And just lets him through. Well, but then the gate beeps at him again. I'm guessing there's some IT stuff going on. That's that's complicated. Well, or is it an indicator of a secret plot, Harry? Like, like how uh, how Westworld should we be getting with this? Like, how deep should we be uh, dipping into every little piece of symbolism? We're already arguing about who or isn't who is or isn't a robot. Like, I feel like the main character is a robot, and you feel like the terrorist guys are robots? Yeah, the terrorist guys are obviously robots, and the main character is obviously a clone. And I'm staking my claim right now. We don't get much of a chance to find out more about the terrorists, and there's a brief scene here where the guy who hasn't gone out yet gives another thing to his friend and says, yeah, we're, we're on the verge of singularity, but we need more data. Just, that's the the standard anime Japanese a sci-fi trope of just needing to do monsters for a while to get vague data until we can make our super thing. So go out and do it. So uh, Arturo goes up to his new office and he vamps a little bit, uh, but then his assistant informs him that a government official is coming and he has to have his first meeting. And it turns out to be the two cops that we saw from the previous episode. It's it's Ames, the Cabinet Secretariat's Artificial Intelligence Military Service. The Technical Advisor Yua Yaiba? And Agent Fuwa Asamu, uh, who just kind of runs forward, grabs Aruto by the neck, and says, like, your answers might land you in jail. This guy is a loose cannon, loose cannon. Like, he he's an asshole, and he really needs to be fired. It's, it's weird, because he's a huge dick and asshole, but he's standing up to corporate malfeasance and, like, hiding of evidence, and hundreds of, if not thousands, if not tens of thousands of human lives have been lost, as we soon see, so, like... He's not wrong. Oh, but he is wrong, Harry. It's a, it's a time, place, and manner type of thing. So if he genuinely It's a CEO believes, versus, versus a loose cannon cop. Like, who are we rooting for? Well, if he really had courage in his convictions, he should have just pulled his gun and shot the man in the head right there and then. Which is very in character with this guy. Or at least shoot next to his head. Roughly his hair dramatically. Yes. But if he's not, uh, if he's not certain about his convictions then he should be fucking quiet and gather evidence. Uh, she's much more f- professional about the whole thing. She sits down and says, like, hey, uh, there's a human gear attack in the park, but no sign of the culprit. We think you're hiding the evidence. And there's a brief cutaway to what happened to the culprit. It got rather kicked out of existence. Mm-hmm. And uh, the assistant Izu, in a very practiced set of statements, says, there's no evidence. Uh, you can't prove anything. I believe she also says that... Uh... The human gears, they're designed to make people happy, and they follow the law where they cannot allow a human to come to harm. The first law, apparently. How deep into the Asimov laws do these guys go? Well, the security robot, he seems to be able to, like, let not authorized people not enter the building. So I think they don't need to follow generic orders. Well, but one would assume that uh, their job orders would, you know, trump the general orders. Like, their job of don't let anyone past here is their primary order. Okay, yeah, fair. And I and they seem to have like some ability. Well, they have we haven't really seen self-preservation from any of them yet, which is interesting. Well, we kind of have, like, you know, when there's an attack, we saw some human gears running away. Uh actually, they kind of more ran in to try to uh like restrain him, it seemed like. No, security human gears uh ran to restrain. There were other human gears in the crowd that ran away. Hmm. So, one would think that the security human gears uh, might, you know, might have the directive where protecting humans trumps their own self-preservation, where the others might have it to a different degree. Then again, we are talking about, like, we're talking about security guards. What kind of a security guard 
can't harm an assailant. Like what? Uh, someone who works at Walmart. Like they're not they're not allowed to touch people. Remember? We've seen cop human gears, Harry. We've seen like you know, we see peace officers. If they can't like physically restrain some, like would physically restrain someone count as harming them? That's an interesting question. Like we we saw a human gear in a cop outfit, but I'm not sure he was actually. That might have just been a PR thing. Like we haven't seen one actually acting as a cop, which I think would be a whole different thing. Yeah, there was definitely one directing traffic, but again, yeah, that was a promotional video, so we're going to have to wait and see. Then again, I'm pretty sure that the uh, the assistant, what's her name, Izu? Uh, Izu. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure she's lying about a lot of stuff. I think Izu is following a very set plan. Mm-hmm. But, but right now, Fuwa is just yelling, like, don't think you can keep this quiet, human gears are killing machines. And Yua has to kind of calm him down, saying, like, don't slander the CEO. We could get in trouble. So Arto decides to defuse the situation by telling a joke. Which does not land in either in person or in translation. So the Japanese version, it's like a play on shine being similar to the word for, uh, like, employee. So he's shining because he's now an em- employed by the company. But the, the translated version that we got from Overtime is... I must be living bright, my first day here, and the world revolves around me. And there's a weird moment where Fuwa's fist is kind of shaking, and I'm not sure if he is about to deck him or really likes the joke. (laughs) Uh, Based on what we see later, I'm gonna go with deck him. Like, his every instinct is just to cause harm to the people around him. This is not a good guy. Speaking of causing harm to everyone around him, our playing around terrorist guy has... Uh, converted a delivery bot and he at this point he has gone into the lobby and is just attacking dudes he's a big red uh, bat well i mean you say big red bat like definitely one of the stylistic choices of this particular common writer is that the monsters of the week so far have looked incredibly human like they kind of look like common writers i could see this costume being a common writer in another series, just like a slightly stylized bat head and a couple like, you know, bat boomerang blades. That could be like, you know, a common writer from the 90s. It's actually pretty close to Bloodstock, who is a common writer from Build. Well, not actually. Com- There's a weird it, whether or not he's a common writer is actually a weird point of contention. But he's he's a costumed guy. Do you think that might be a subtle theme? Like, you know, even the monsters are very humanoid. I mean, that, that's the theme of all of common writer, like. The, the original Kamen Rider was just a shocker monster who did get brainwashed and went on to fight him. Yeah, he also had an IQ of 6,000 and was great at every sport. Yeah, but still, like, the whole point is that they're using the same technology for good or for evil. It's it's not a good or bad power, it's just a thing that is. <laughs> That's probably tying a lot to this. Because the, the, uh, the bat monster, it starts attacking dudes with big uh, boomerang blades. And the security guard guy, like, rushes forward and starts protecting people. Gets cut a little bit. Um, at this point, the asshole cop and uh, and the woman cop, they jump off the stairs and start shooting at it. The asshole cop with the toy gun and uh, the uh, the female cop with a gun that I think I re- I've took some screenshots. I was trying to match the weapon. And I think it's a 1911 replica airsoft gun. Yeah, probably. So I appreciate that, you know. In an earlier Common Rider series, I was complaining that whenever there was, like, a woman cop that they were showing, they would give her, like, the tiniest, just fakest little gun that was, like, a thirty-eight. Where Well, that, that's more just Japanese police. Like, when there's police weapons in Japan are, like, tiny little thirty-eights. Well, but, I mean, this one's packing a forty-five caliber pistol. Oh, yeah. she She's the, she's, like, the armorer for the group. Like, she she makes their tech. Uh, Fuwa starts screaming about how you people make monsters like that, and they're kind of moving between, they're doing a Matrix fight in some columns, and at some point he pulls out a little blue thing, it says, alright, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to transform and scrap it, and it doesn't work. Because Yua has put basically a child safety lock on the transformation device, this guy is not trustable. No, obviously not. Clearly not. Why does this guy have any gun, much less a sci-fi gun? Well, remember, he he broke into a case and took it. Why was he not fired? I mean, this is, it's only been like a couple days, and I'm not, there's some ambiguity about Yua. Like, all right, I know something about Yua that you don't, that'll come up apparently next episode. So I'll let it slide. I don't know. She might be like acting a little passive on purpose to kind of let him 
basically he he might be she's not letting him do this so that way he does it she's not involved or maybe she's just doing her best and like kind of letting him fight okay the monster gets shot and runs away uh like aruto does transform oh yeah that's right chases him away and gets shot by the asshole cop Specifically, Isu said, hey, don't reveal your identity to the cops because, you know, there's some stuff going on here. But this leads to the cop seeing him and thinking, oh, that's a human gear. I'll just shoot him. <laughs> so Aruto has to com- comically run around a corner and detransform and say he went that way. I'm kind of glad that there's a secret identity going on with this. Like, it's very Tony Stark, at least comic book Tony Stark. Yeah, like <laughs> in the comic books, do you think Tony Stark can still convince people that he's not Iron Man this time when he is every time? Like, no, it's actually my bodyguard this time, I swear. <laughs> but yeah, after uh, after the monster gets away and he detransforms, uh, Arturo goes back into the lobby, meets it, up it's, with... It's Aruto. You're, put, you're adding an extra T in there. Aruto? Yeah, Aruto. Or, Ar- I mean, Aruto is the right spelling, at least. Uh, Harry, you should be proud of me for... We're only on episode two, and I'm, you like, in, yeah. the, in the ballpark. You know what? Yeah, you're, you're close. Aruto? Goes in to meet with the uh, security uh, officer and spends a minute uh, humanizing him, uh, therefore dooming him. He puts a like kind of handkerchief on his wound thing, and as he walks away, the terrorist guy is kind of watching this, and he has a big old grin. The security guard does point out that his name was given to him specifically by this man's grandfather, the former CEO. Yeah, so they're basically family. Uh, further lending credence to my clone theory. So outside, the media is kind of shouting and asking some questions like they would. And uh, the the evil robot assistant lady is saying, nothing to worry about. This was just a security drill. Uh, everybody leave. And everyone just accepts that. There's a lot of like, oh, smiling faces. Like, ah, you got us. You got us. I, I didn't see them accepting that. Like the media were still there screaming, weren't they? Maybe there were some human gears that were accepting, but. Yeah, I'm sure the human gears thought it was fine, but like. The people still seem riled up, and evil sub-corporate guy, whose name I probably should learn, uh, is he's looking up in the office, and he's saying, like, oh, this is a disaster. Hey, President, it's your job to deal with problems like this. Or How are, how are you going to take responsibility? Are you going to resign? <laughs> in disgrace? Because I'd love that. <laughs> oh, his name is, is Jun? Uh, Fukuzoe Jun. Uh, the main character, he seems taken aback that he would be expected to resign on his very first day. And then the asshole cop breaks in and starts shouting at him, like pulls him up to the roof where they could have a little bit of plot exposition. The dramatic helipad. Yes. The cop says, you know, this company never changes. You know, human gears are terrible. And Arto yells this line that he yells a lot. They're, they make life better. They're what people have dreamed of. And the cop says, you know, an entire city was destroyed in the daybreak disaster. And mm-hmm. Aruto remembers his, his robot dad taking an explosion for him. Yeah, was it Daybreak Disaster or Daybreak City? Uh, a city was destroyed. I'm, uh, Yeah, a city called Daybreak was destroyed. And it was covered up in some way. But Fuwa was there. And he saw what actually caused it. Human Gears. And we see Fuwa in his classroom as a child. Where his classmates are being torn apart by screaming robots jumping through the windows. Like, this is this That's is some dire. nightmare fuel. <laughs> like... Yeah. It's fucking dark, Terminator style. Like, he just, he wakes up in a room full of corpses and looks out and there's just ro- gl- robots with glowing eyes sitting on the windows. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, humans have to be exterminated. So, for all that this cop is reckless, I kind of get where he's coming from. I get where he's coming from, too. But Harry, he's still a rude asshole. Oh, sure, sure. He 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 shouts that he will expose your company and their sins. Back at the kind of media circus, uh, it gets a little worse when the bat robot, which wasn't destroyed or anything, just shows back up and continues attacking humans. Let's see. At this point, the security guard that we knew was doomed gets transformed. He tries to stop the bat, but uh, Jin? I I should also look up his name, because their names... Uh, The laughing, like, Thunderstrike terrorist. Yeah, his name is Jin. Uh, Hopefully that's not a spoiler. Okay. And he says, like, hey, you could be my friend, too. So destroy this place. And Mamoru, the security guard, he does seem to fight it like a little bit more like going down. Like he grabs the handkerchief and says, no, my job is to protect this place. But when the connection to extinction that strike.net gets established, he just 
like he is fully transformed it says no okay yeah extinction dash thunderstrike.net harry yeah yeah in in, in all our hearts <laughs> so uh jin walks into the building and aroto sees him and like asks, asks him who he is he says i'm the pioneer of a new world i guess you know i think he's still just like the website his whole villainous speech is under construction mm-hmm. and uh mamaru walks up behind him and says you know i let him in as extinction thunderstrike.net commands and he transforms into a saber tooth monster and so uh, i looked i looked it up and it's a thing all of the creatures that have been transforming into are specifically extinct species this is this is very they're 100 extinction fans okay uh i take it not the common rider though no the common rider is like a grasshopper and uh other i mean like the animals that the common riders transform into seem to be a live species ah gotcha Aruto, he tries to talk Mamoru down, like, the, I can still see the good in you. But Izu sadly says, you know, once a Hebrew gear has been modified, it can't be repaired. So you're going to have to destroy him. So that that line stuck out to me, Harry. Like, did that stick out to you? I do think it's important. Well, it's not just important. It's like, how does she know that? I mean, that's a good question. I think she knows a bit more about, like, the source of these guys' technology and how the process works and maybe just looking at the the parts from the previous human gear like they maybe looking at the way it interacted with the technology but i guess they're establishing that they can't just like these things i like to think that these things are alive enough that you can't just download a new version of their mind or something or if you did it would be like a new person Maybe. And, you know, it, yes, it's a good plot serving thing that, of course, can raise a lot of tension when one of the robots that we actually care about gets transformed. Uh, but it's also like they shouldn't know this so readily unless they were, as you said or implied, involved with the programming of these viruses, which, you know, the previous episode, the former CEO seemed to like he he straight up gave away the game. He said in his will Oh, hey, now that I'm dead, uh, there's this terrorist organization that is going to come after us. Um, it's obvious that the former CEO and therefore his robotic assistant know a fuck ton more about what's going on than they're letting on. I mean, we don't know how he died, do we? Do we think he actually died? Do we think his brain is actually inside the robot assistant? I mean, th- there was a funeral. Eh. Uh, but you can have that without a body. And in Japan, I think cremation is a lot more common, which would make that even easier to fake. Or you could be the CEO of a company that creates or, yeah, human-like just, just bodies. Be, yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. There, there's a fun like cross-cut thing where the saber-toothed monster is yelling, humans must be, and then it cuts to the bat monster, and he yells, exterminated. So it's just cutting to the police fighting the bat monster in a different part of the city. Yeah, and uh, Yu Yua is doing the the action reloads like you saw, and she's doing pretty well. She is using a human weapon, and uh, Fuwa steps up and says, "Like I am going to make scrap out of all human gears." There's a very, uh, very much like a an opposite yin yang uh, binary between the main character and this asshole cop, where uh, Arturo Aruto, I, I don't, I don't know. He's shouting that, you know, human gears are our friends, they are our future. Well, the asshole cop is shouting that human gears must die, they are monsters and must be put down. So this is the dynamic that we're going to have between these two guys going forward, obviously, clearly. And, like, cutting between them as they yell their big lines. And and Yua is still not authoring the, authorizing the transformation, but Fuwa, in a move that was... So, this was actually spoiled in a, like, arcade machine, like, he... he his data was inserted so that you could fight with him, like, in arcade stuff. Like, there's a video game with Kamen Riders. Okay. Uh, Ganbarizing. And he showed up, and this was... People didn't understand what he was doing here, but he just rips open his transformation device. And there's some good acting going on here. That is some flimsy-ass toy plastic, and he really makes it look like it was hard to do this. Uh, he slots it into a belt thing he has, and fires out a silver bullet, and then punches it. And he turns into a Kamen Rider, Kamen Rider Vulcan. Yep, shooting wolf mode. So now we have a fight uh, where we're cutting between two different Kamen Riders going after two different monsters. Yeah, and when Aruto transforms, like, all right, the, 
I made a note. The first time he transformed, uh, there was like a laser beam that shot from space to create like a grasshopper. And the first time he did it this episode, that didn't happen. So I was like, oh, maybe they forgot that. No, in this episode, he does it in a big plaza. And like it, it's kind of great because it shatters like a big glass dome above him. So the whole sequence, there's like just shards raining everywhere. They saved a little bit of CGI budget for this, Harry. Yeah, and then when he has to summon a bike thing to chase the Sabertooth thing that has a bike, it punches through a, like, parking garage or something. Whole lot of collateral damage for these transformations. Yeah, like, this this corporation does not seem to care about collateral damage. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of robots, even to the extent of a reasonable amount of human lives, but boy, this corporation is sure blasé about destroying shit. Uh, there's fight. They end up in a big kind of container thing, and it, it's pretty good at dynamic. They're jumping up and down, like the shooting the coming right of Vulcan is like blocking the bat blades and like dancing between them as he shoots them. Yeah, it's it's good fighting. It's interesting fighting, and so I, I mean, it's still early on in the series, and they're trying to introduce people, so maybe they're pulling out the budget a little bit more. Or maybe this is a quality that they're trying to shoot for for the remainder of the series. Wouldn't that be nice? I I have my suspicion, but I like to dream. So Aruto's finisher is just he uses a blade thing. Like that's his, he has like a suitcase that can turn into a sword. But uh, Fuwa, as, as Vulcan, he fires a series of like homing glowing energy stakes that impale the bat onto a container. And like almost crucifying it. And then shoots a blast that melts through, like, a whole giant series of containers. Yeah, and flies past the original Kamen Rider's head, because that's yeah. what he does, Harry. He shoots bullets right next to his friend's heads. And and there's a cool moment where they look through the holes in, like, five shipping containers at each other, and then Aruto just disappears in some mist. The final scene is a big press conference, where Jun is trying to, he's trying to downplay things like, uh, no comment, you know, Clearly there were robots out there fighting, but, you know, maybe we're involved, maybe we're not. And then Aruto steps in and says, like, nope, it was caused by a terrorist group. They've been hacking human gears in order to in order to kill people. A terrorist group known as Extinction-Thunderstrike. Dash. Remember the dash. So human gears are the dream of humanity, meant to improve people's lives, and I intend to show that. I'm Chief Executive Officer and President Hidden Aruto. And he does he does the joke again. He does the joke again, and it doesn't land again. And so Izu uh, has to explain it on camera in front of the world that was there for a press conference describing a terrorist attack. Not a great not a great time to workshop material. Just throw that out there for, you know, for the working comedian. Like, if you're leading a press conference about a terrorist attack where people died, maybe don't use your C-list material. Wasn't there a Patton Oswalt bit about, like, trying to punch up the, like, videotapes of the 9-11 terrorist attack. Oh, God. I mean, I'm sure you could look that up. I don't I don't just want to try to recite it offhand. And, you know, it, it's also almost, it's it was just recently 9-11 recently, so. Yeah, we record this a couple weeks in advance, so we're recording this on, like, you know, a couple days after the anniversary. Anyway, uh, that was the episode, Sam. What do you think about it? Uh, it was, it was interesting. It's, I mean, it's still very much a, an intro episode. Also, we're, you know, one for one episode to New Common Rider, and we're kind of watching, uh, God, what's, Common Rider Gaim. We're watching Common Rider Gaim, where they introduce, like, a Common Rider every episode for six episodes, so are we doing that again? I don't know. I literally I mean, have no idea. I mean, they are introducing another one ne- next episode, I saw in the previews. Oh, okay. Well. All right, so we're three for three, minimum. And, like, I, because one of the first things you find out about these shows is the suits and stuff. Like, I know some, there's some people in the show who are common writers and just haven't gotten their transformation things yet, so. How many are robots? I mean, do we know? Well, how, how many are obvious known robots? That That's a different question between you and me. Oh, so some of the terrorists become common writers. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I suppose I should have expected that. Uh, I think they're like Kamen Rider Extinction and Kamen Rider Thunder. Dash. Yeah, their, their terrorist group is basically their ship name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's it's episode two, and it's you could I feel like you could 
skip this episode after the first one, like still have everything you need going into the next plot line, but it is deeper down and it shows off a lot of the themes and it gives us a chance, Sam, to approach some of the real ass politics that the show is dealing with. Yeah, like corporate malfeasance, like <laughs> international terrorism, like conspiracy, regulation, like uh, should we be rooting for the cops who are trying to shut down the human gears? Should we be rooting for the corporation who's trying to make the human gears like part of everyday life? Like, how sentient are the human gears, Harry? We still don't have a solid answer to that question. Are they sentient, sapient thinking things? Or are they basically Roombas? This is this is a show for children, so I'm probably not going to get into this. But this would have a devastating economic impact on a country that is not otherwise prepared for it. Like, I just kind of have to mentally assume that they have a UBI, Universal Basic Income, to deal with the stuff. This is Andrew Yang's future, Harry. But that that's also complicated because I'm I mean I, I don't know how you or you are of this Sam but this is Japan, Japan has like the negative birth rate problem. Yep. And like they they have a super fast aging populace and so they are actually strongly in need of labor and stuff like that to try to help deal with that and they're actually revolutionary they're doing lots of development into robot assistance so this is actually super strongly tied into that. Yeah, yeah, I was well aware of that. We see those, you know, creepy YouTube videos all the time of, like, the smiling nursing home attendant that's actually a murder bot. I am a huge fan of AI, and, like, I really like the idea of developing them, And but it is weird because they are super serving corporate interests here, as they probably will have to in real life, and, like, how do we deal with that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And we're going to deal with it wrong. Like, and it, it would seem that this corporation basically has the run of things like total total control total authority to do whatever the hell they want we have to assume that they were somehow involved in this day break day strike whatever uh attack or tragedy however they chose to spin it like years ago like they don't they obviously know that shit went bad and it would seem that they're keeping that from the knowledge of the public they have a central satellite that controls these humigears and sends out uh, orders and stuff that can also shoot down laser beams and, like, weaponized motorcycles. Like, are are we the baddies? Like, are you're saying, like, is this corporation going to turn out to be the villains? It's super weird. And the main character, his dad, the person he referred to as dad, is definitely, obviously, a humigear. Because he's a clone of he's a clone of the original like CEO who was raised by Humagears in a lab, specifically t- raised and cloned so that he could fight like the Humagears that go bad. Also, like we we skipped a little bit past it, but the technical advisor uh, y- Yua Yaiba, when Fuwa like all the time when uh, Fuwa was trying to transform, she was like, "No, I'm not gonna let you." But as soon as he did, she kind of stepped aside and started just videotaping him and saying, "Like, all right, it's it started." Is she just? Mano during tech, or does she actually have a separate agenda? Uh, who watches the Watchmen, Harry? Like, whose side should we be on? Should we trust the corporation? Should we trust the government? Should we trust neither? Where's the place for the common man in this scenario, Harry? Yeah, like, our our choices are aggressive militarized cops or deregulated corporations. <laughs> this is a weird show for us to like, Sam. I mean, I'm enjoying it so far. I still... I still maintain that they could go someplace with their politics that will make me hate this show. Hate oh, it absolutely. to death. Like, I'm in a place where, like, if the end result of this is humans being exterminated and robots ruling, I'd be okay with that ending. Well, I'm still not clear how sentient and sapient the, the human gears are. Like, should we know that, Harry? Like, what's your opinion? Are, do you think they're sapient? I like extinction dash thunderstrike is talking about the singularity where you know where the AIs gain self awareness. I think the fact that they can't be fully reverted once they've been converted uh, is important. Like I, they probably have programming and stuff, and that can be controlled to a certain extent externally. But I do think they have like kind of individual like experiences and stuff like that as robots. And I so I'm breaking my own advice and i am looking at the next episode previews and i think it, that's actually looking a little bit towards uh approaching some of that and maybe dealing with those themes oh hey are we going to actually get answers in the first couple episodes of how how sapient these things are 
I doubt that will be fully answered, but I think we're going to start getting some indications of where they're going, or at least what the common understanding is. Okay. Like it, the human gears we've seen, uh, that Abbuster Taro in the first episode, like just sitting alone on his own, he was remembering making people laugh, and he was happy about that. Like they seem to find satisfaction in doing their jobs well, which is both a fun, nice thing, and if you think about it, super creepy and weird for what is a literally constructed service class. I'm not sure if this totally applies, but it's a kind of a kind of a related, semi-related anecdote. So, you know, like we host a lot of exchange students, right, Harry? We got a Japanese style rice maker about a year ago to, you know, to supplement the exchange students that uh, come through our house. This rice maker sings as it makes rice. Like it is a constructed, like single purpose tool that sings to itself like happy like birthday songs and abc twinkle twinkle little star as it is as it is making food it is kind of creepy do you think there's a chance like a guy's gonna come in and tell it like no your job isn't to make rice it's to exterminate humanity and then you're gonna wake up and have to fight like a giant sloth themed rice maker you know if it comes after me i'll have earned it i don't watch that thing nearly enough you just bury your neck and be like, I I understand. Do your worst. <laughs> it's your world now, rice maker. <laughs> anyway, go catch yours a clip show. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Let, let, let's. All right. So, so uh, anything else to say about zero one, Sam? No, no. I think I think we covered it. I think it's a pretty. It's a pretty deep and interesting show, and it's going to go some weird places uh, that neither of us can really predict, except for me. I I can predict that the terrorists are both robots and that the main character is a clone of the previous uh, of the previous CEO, who's probably still alive. Like uh, that. That's another thing. Like, so they've had videos of the CEO in both the first episode and this episode. If next episode they have another video of the CEO that's like unique footage, uh, the guy's alive. Because they would not use an actor for three different episodes unless they were going to bring him back later. Uh, we will have to see. But for now, uh, zero one zero two is finished. And let us continue into Pirate Santago Kaiger. Go Kaiser, episode 45? Uh, let, let, let's just say episode 45 and 46, Harry. Let, yeah, let's not pretend. Let's not pretend we got two episodes. Ninja negotiation, and then, uh, hey, let's be friends. I don't know. I for, I didn't write that in the name for 46, but it's basically just ninja, ninja negotiations. It's a single episode, a single 45-minute episode, half of which is a clip show. I don't know, like half of this... Like, a third of this episode isn't a clip show, so let's get into some stuff. <laughs> As we start, like, they are, they're doing, they're talking to Navi, the bird, and saying, like, hey, uh, it's the last prediction, you know, put some real effort into it. We have 33 of the 34 powers accounted for. They do a little bit of catch-up, like, they actually have, like, the photo collage from Guy showing, okay, we have these 29 powers, Bosco has these five powers, we are unaccounted for of this one specific power yeah the kaku ranger power and navi bonks her head a few good times and says uh there's no finding a ninja that's playing hide and seek wait a minute uh we can't find it because it's ninjas yeah they get very angry at this and then joe uh then they remember that they were sent to this uh time lord uh a temple uh, a couple episodes ago and they do a little bit of Japanese wordplay here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I looked it up. I looked it up. So it's Nagakure Temple, and Joe Gibkin is kind of musing aloud. So he's saying Nagakure, uh, Nekakure, because gay is uh, accented ka syllable. So it's written basically the same way. Nekakure, Kakure, Kakuranger. And everyone freaks out. Okay. So yeah, that, that, that wasn't going to translate. Uh, so that after that, they go back to the temple. They find this uh, mysterious glowing bottle 
uh, that's yelling at them. And Sam, I asked you a few episodes ago, do you remember any characters that live in a bottle? And you didn't know this, even though we literally covered an episode that showed this happening in this podcast. Like in Ninja Quest, we, we saw Ninja come out of a bottle and hey, I'm hits it with a hammer and Ninja Man pops out. I mean, Harry, that was that was a live watch episode. So, I mean, no one no one listens to those episodes. I don't I didn't listen to that episode and I was here. Guy is super happy to see him. He talks about, yeah, I'm a friend to the Cock Rangers. I help them fight you. OK, and uh, let me explain why I was trapped inside a pot. Yeah, and he he was trapped in a pot because he murdered a zoo. There was a bunch of animals, like, attacking a girl. And I think they're, like, a series of animals that are, like, a reference to a ranger team. Because it's, like, a lion, a tiger, an elephant, an alligator, and a gorilla. So I'm, I don't know which one, but I'm sure there's a ranger team that slots into that. And he went to save the girl. But in doing so, he kind of destroyed a city block. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, the Zords of that series showed up and said, like, hey, you are getting overexcited all the time and getting losing sight of your surroundings in the name of justice. You're you're sentenced to 10 years in a bottle. Just think about what you've done, man. <laughs> it's a harsh sentence. I, he, he destroyed a city block, though. I mean, that's I I suppose that's, that's true. I, I think he I think he's OK with that sentence. He only seemed to be annoyed because, like, his time had been up and no one was coming to save him mm-hmm. because he asked like, so uh, where are the cockroaches? You know, I've, I've been in a bottle for 10 years. Has anything big happened? Go catch guys sucking air through the teeth. Yeah. Oh, and then me. the clip show begins. <laughs> so did you bad? There was a legendary war where humanity was under siege from a space fleet. And like a lot of people, a lot of people died. And, uh, yeah, they had to fire a friendship laser to space and lose all their powers. And Ninjabad freaks out because I was stuck in a bottle that whole time. I couldn't help. I'm an idiot. Uh, amidst his kind of crisis over his uselessness in the face of this war, uh, Marvelous walks up and asks for his ultimate power, please. And then, uh, I'm Guy and, uh, Doc, uh, kind of pull Marvelous back and are like, hey, hey, stop acting like a jerk. Like, we have to do a lot of these episode plots because you make a bad first impression. Yeah, yeah. Let, let's let's try to let's try to smooth talk him a little. So they invite him up onto the ship. And they do some historical comedic dress up. Yeah, I, uh they they have Joe serve a big platter of like uh traditional Japanese dishes and stuff, even like a dessert thing shaped like Ninja Man's head. Don't don't you want any dessert shaped like your own head, Sam? I kinda do. Uh, Luca dresses up and looks real nice. Mm-hmm. And Marvelous does a thing with, like... He's doing, like, vaudeville. He's doing, yeah, like, vaudeville. old Japan vaudeville. Yeah, he's, like, bouncing Navi on an umbrella or something. And he's super into it. And accidentally throws Navi forward and wrecks the food and stuff. At which point it descends into chaos. And then clips. And I, I gotta say, when the, when the food and dessert is destroyed... Joe looks super sad, like only slightly less sad than when he had to murder his mentor, Sid. <laughs> yeah, he put a lot of effort into those. And like, we, we've we all seen his abs. Those were the only carbs he was going to allow himself this year. This was my cheat day. <laughs> they apologize, saying like, oh, yeah, we, we may not seem like much, but we are the 35th Super Sentai. And we've we've uh, beat up the Sangyak a whole lot. Here, watch all these clips of us doing it. Yeah, yeah, like... Harry, there's been clip shows in previous shows that we've watched, right? Or or was this like, this one felt really, really rough. Or not, rough isn't right, but like, you know, everything we just described was the first five minutes, and then literally the rest of the show is a clip show. Uh, I mean, like, it's, the show has been going on for a year, it's for children, I think it's fair to say you wouldn't expect them to remember all of this. And they're trying to set up stuff right before the end, so, I mean, I, d- I don't begrudge them this. Like, honestly, like, I I thought this was kind of a better episode than the next one, which was just kind of, like, a, a bit empty and vague. But yeah, they they go over all their powers and stuff, they show lots of cool fight scenes, uh, they, they have a quiz thing where they all transform into <laughs> different Sentai and ask, like, hey, you in the audience, do you know the theme here? And they're all lion uh, Sentai, which was... Uh, uh, even I got that one. They talk about, like, there's only one power left that we need to get. Uh, Basco has stolen five because he could just rip them out of people. 
But the Kaka Ranger power, we need it to get our dream. The greatest treasure in the universe. Uh, Ninja Man, will you give it to us? And he says no. So the next episode starts, and Ninja Man is still being a grump on the ship, and saying that he's not, he doesn't trust them yet. Uh, he has to retrain them. Yeah, because he, Ninja Man, I, I haven't seen Cocker Ranger, uh, but the way he's saying is like, yeah, I, I kind of go off the handle a lot and just kind of do what I want to, and if I'm giving the ultimate power of the Cocker Ranger to people, I can't just give it to you offhand. So this, this one time, I'm going to actually sit around and make sure you're good people. Good for him, I guess. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not unreasonable. Up on the ship, the Emperor, uh, Actos Gil, is talking about, hey, those reinforcements we've been calling in, is are they coming? Uh, is things going well? And Dairanda says, oh yeah, don't don't worry, uh, you're, it's going to be great. Like they're, they're a little embarrassed that this backwater has been resisting so well. And so they send down a Monster of the Week, who's fairly forgettable, like, he's a kind of Pacific Islander-themed skeleton guy, and he has a, a blowgun that shoots, like, bad will directly into people's hearts. I mean, he's the Devil Doctor Juju. Uh, I, It's not subtle. Like, they're doing voodoo stuff here, which is not, like, it's not great. It's really not. He's firing darts into people that they don't really know, so they just keep walking. The training begins for a Ninja Man and the Sentai, and of course the three good students show up and the three slackers don't. Uh, Marvelous Luca and Joe don't care. Mm-hmm. But they start, you know, doing some training. Uh, it's Guy, I'm, and Doc. And, like, for uh, Doc and I'm, they've this whole show kind of been the week or two. But at this point, they've developed enough that they can hold their own pretty well. Uh, they, they do get thrown right into some concrete statues, which seems pretty harsh. It's, it's not a great place to train. Uh, the bad guys show up soon enough. Uh, and both uh, Doc and Guy uh, eat one of the shots from the voodoo doctor. Yeah, and initially there's no effect. But then he does a weird ritual in a cave. <laughs> there's a nearby cave. And he says, Sleeping Hearts of Darkness, awaken and serve me! We get a little bit of a montage of all the people who were shot earlier uh, turning into assholes. A guy steals a TV, a guy driving a truck just starts swerving in the road. Yeah, but a bunch of ladies just beating up each other. One starts spray painting a police car, which made me laugh. Uh, and up on the ship, Doc and Guy suddenly start turn- turning into big jerks. And it's because it's a kid's show. The, the way they're jerks is just kind of slouching and eating more messily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of the episode when everyone had their bones ripped out and they just kind of turned a little lethargic. They're doing kind of a Japanese gangster thing of like rolling all their R's. Like, I, I can't do it, but like the R. <laughs> Guy calls Doc a uh, frizzy-haired jive turkey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's some rough stuff. And uh, they run off, and I'm uh, runs after them. Ninja Bad asks uh, Marvelous, Joe, and Luca, like, are they going to follow them? At which point they say, no, not really. And because you've seen a Cube Ranger, this show is almost as genre-savvy with the main characters, because... Marvelous Joe and Luca, they're like, ah, oh, no, there's a weird monster thing affecting them. We gotta go kill the monster. So let's. So as soon as Ninja Man leaves, they scan the sword. Like, Mar- Marvelous's sword, he blocked one of the shots. So it's like, okay, yeah, there's an energy signature. Navi track it. We'll just go kill him. Whatever. It's fine. Yeah, they're ahead of the game here. Uh, and there's a scene where Doc and Guy, they are angry fighting. They transform. And Ninja Man and I'm trying to restrain them. The, the way they resolve it is basically just I'm. Like, saying Ninja Man, no, I, I can de-escalate this, I can talk them down, and kind of gig in between them. Even after Knocked Out of Transformation, she's, like, kind of blocking their attacks, which maybe they're not putting their all into it at that point. Saying, like, no, you are you are the kindest guys I've seen, you're better than this, there's a weird thing going on, you gotta stop it. And power friendship, they do. Yep, it's a very friendship-positive episode. So they break free of the spell, uh, the voodoo doctor shows up, and they start beating him up. Um, oh, no, they uh, they go to reinforce Marvelous Joe and Luca, who were in the cage, beating him up. All right, the voodoo monster thinks this is a good move, because, but uh, he has a crystal thing that the go cagers see, and like, all right, if we break that, our friends will, will be saved. But the monster eats it, it's like, haha, now in order to fix your friends, you'll need to kill me. <laughs> Marvelous Why is would like, you do that, that was already part of the plan. That was in the cards for you, good sir. Now I'm definitely going to die. I mean, they kill him. He gets big, they kill him again. Uh, turns out the ultimate power of the Kaka Rangers is Ninja Man. He didn't even know. Yeah, he just gets big and so... Yeah, how many... 
how many ninja robots do they have, like, you know, working with them as part of their ultimate power at this point? A lot. There's been a few ninja series. Let's see, Cocker Ranger. There's the one that, like, rides around on a star. Yeah, Furaimaru. Nin Ninja was after this. I'm not sure if there were any other ninja series. I mean, there was there was a... I'm sure there's, like, a ninja guy. Well, no. Uh, Shinken Gold isn't really ninja. Nah. It, it doesn't matter. Anyway. Yep, and, th- and that's the episode. Like, that that's really it. Uh, there's, just, there's a stinger at the end where uh, Basco is kind of vamping, saying, Hey, it looks like they got the final power, so now I can steal the ball. Yep, like, his whole thing, he, he betrayed the greatest soldier in the universe. He became the enemy of the Empire that controls everything, literally just because they needed one more power and he wasn't sure how to get it yet. So he was willing to do that. He threw away everything because he's still desperate to get that treasure. Mm-hmm. And if you think about the timing, like, in that first episode when he transformed, he could have killed the Rangers, but that was before they did the thing to save, nin- to save Ninja Man. So he was correct. Like, he couldn't kill them then because his goal isn't to kill them. His goal is to get the ultimate treasure. Yep. The Gokaijers look at each other and say, all right, only thing left is to kill Basco. Mm-hmm. And they kind of say, like, hey, this is probably going to be our hardest fight. So, Sam, would you be surprised to hear that next is a two-parter where it's a big Basco confrontation? That sounds awesome. Basco is awesome. He is a effective villain. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you have any thoughts? Because we've seen some things going on with him and his monkey friend, Sally. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not sure if I want a redemption arc for Basco. If I want him and Sally to, like, go away after, like, giving up their powers just to be pirates in space. I'm not sure what I want to happen, Harry. Like, because Basco, I I kind of really like Basco. He's one of my favorite villains ever in a Toku show. He's a good villain. And I tell you this, the next couple episodes, they, they are very hemcentric and they're a good couple of episodes. Good. Good. 